Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. We've got a Thursday slate of NBA basketball, seven games on the slate here. We are going to be looking at best bets in this video. We've also got a play of props vid up as we do each and every weekday. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page and continue to follow along with us. Also want you to head to thelines.com. Uh, check out everything that we're putting up on the site right now and use that odds finder tool to make sure that you're getting the best juice available to you from all of these books giving us bets this NBA season. 500 on the night last night, Nate, and we move into uh, a slightly more favorable, if I can call it that, slate. So let's get into your f- first bet here for Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to do a little same game parlay here with the Nuggets coming back home with the Nets on a back to back, coming off a nice win in Phoenix. Um, Joker was ejected two nights ago, as we know. Jamal Murray sat out the second half of the back-to-back, and I expect both of them to have success here. So I will go Joker 20-10 and 10 at least, and Jamal to get 20 points with the money line. Gets you plus 150. Um, I mean, the Jamal is the only thing that scares me here. I think Joker is a walking 20-10, as we know, and may, might be a little motivated after uh, that that weird ejection that, you know, he, he was mature about it, but, you know, certainly going to bottle up some motivation in one way or another to come out and play well. I mean, either way, it's a little bit of extra rest for him. And it's a good matchup against a Brooklyn team that last night gave up 15 and 22 to Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, So you got to like that in terms of dominating down low. The Nets also won in Denver last March. Uh, Nice, exciting game. 122-120. Joker had 35-20 and 11 in that game. Now averaging 28-16 and 10. His last three against Brooklyn. The Nets have lost three of their last four road games against the West since. They did get that win last night, but their last six roadies overall, Josh, 125 defensive rating. So they can be had when they're out there on the work, on the road uh, and two and four straight up. Jamal, yeah, I said that that scares you, but I mean, his usage rate has been so high. I mean, I'm only scared because he might only play 30 minutes or less. They're still kind of treading lightly with him they don't want to overwork him as he's dealing with this nagging hamstring and ankle issue but 29 points in 29 minutes in a favorable matchup on Monday he's now on two days rest where last season when he was on two days he averaged 22 and a half a game versus 19 on normal rest had a 27 percent usage with that extra rest and you know this this usage is up to 29 percent in his three games since injury averaging 24 a game Brooklyn has been gotten by point guards, 28 a game, and four threes to point guards in their last seven. Joker, more num- more rebounds at home, especially. Jamal, a few more points at home. Um, so I-, I will take their their stats here. And, of course, we expect Denver to win at home uh, with the rest advantage. We do. Yeah, we do. And and I would call the, the game against the Nets last year just – sort of the equivalent of the um the Rockets game this year at Denver where the Rockets just won a week or two ago in a situation at Denver where you just never expect Denver to lose um so it was quite a surprise and I would expect a bit of revenge I'll just go right into my bet I, I still think it's positively correlated there's no reason that both of our bets can't hit in fact I think they both should um but I've got Joker in a parlay to go under 29 points with the Denver money line in this one a little bit of that negative correlation Gets us plus 145 on our money for a straight bet to his under on the core points. And then also a money line that if not parlayed is like minus 400. So getting all of that together to plus 140 feels really good. And obviously it takes 
a bit of nerve to bet on Jokic to go under anything. But I do think once you put him in the lineup with Murray and with Aaron Gordon, then things are just a lot different. And the stats say that as well, that his usage rate is going to drop uh, about 31. It's about 30% now in the last five games, which is still very high. Uh, but it's also not at the 34 or 35% that he was averaging in the games that Aaron Gordon and Jamal Murray were both missing for a few weeks in, in any game that Jamal Murray, Jamal Murray plays in. His assists go up and his points go down because he is looking to pass a bit more and, and get his guys involved. And that's been the case definitely, like I said, for the last six games is they're still trying to get things back together. And that would seem to be the case for him as he's uh, kept his usage rate down and kept his potential assists up as he's passing the ball way more. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like the the rebounds and assists uh, for, for Joker in this situation, which I know you'll talk about a bit more in player props. Uh, I think it's when, when he's going up against a guy like Nick Claxton and, and whomever else we're going to see on the floor to try to defend him in, in a myriad of ways for the Nets. Like, I, I don't think that they're going to be able to move him off his position, but I also just don't think that he cares about scoring quite as much right now. The, the only thing that would scare me is the, the sort of, I guess, revenge narrative or just his own personal revenge of, of coming back from getting tossed in that last game where he only had four points in the 16 minutes and, Maybe he wants to up that a bit, but he's also got Aaron Gordon back. And in those games, we're down to a 25% usage rate against Brooklyn. He's also been in a 20, uh, had a 25% usage rate. Again, the thing that scares you is I do think he can essentially score at will, but I like a blowout in this one. And I like him to be focused on scoring early in, or I'm sorry, passing early and often to the point where he might not have time to get his, because I don't think he'll be playing for, for a lot of the fourth quarter by that point. Um, I'm very unimpressed with the Nets right now. You You talked about a lot of stuff with them. Um, but really mostly for, for me, it's the inability to defend down low and also slightly the inability to, to defend on the wing. And I think that's where um, Jamal and, and Aaron Gordon will be driving. Uh, Jamal will be coming in shooting, but then Aaron Gordon's going to have a lot of lanes to keep moving uh, and cut off of Jokic when he gets a lot of attention because there's nobody that's even close. Like, what does Nick Claxton weigh? Like a butt, like, you know, 210, like 205. He's, he's given up a solid 45 pounds or whatever, maybe more to Jokic. So um, yeah, let's just let's go ahead and take Jokic to go under 29 and for him to just control the game with passing uh, and then for them to win in a parlay there. Yeah, I mean, he's not your typical superstar that you'd say, oh, he's pissed. He's going to come out and get 30 for sure. Like, yeah, he can he can dominate the game in other ways. We did talk about this before the Bulls game that actually when he plays the Eastern Conference, he scores a little bit less and his, his assists are down a little bit, too. But it's you can tell that he's just kind of swaying their defense because they're not as used to playing him. Uh, get guys in rotation and just impact the game in that way. So I like, yeah, I like his rebounds and assists more so than him to score a ton here. I do think he still gets 20. Uh, I think the only place we differ is that you're expecting a blowout. I I don't see, see anything from the Nets to indicate that they're, they're in blowout territory when they're on a back-to-back. Like, I mean, with Mikel Bridges being the leader of your team and Mr. 82, um, like there, there's, there hasn't been much let up in terms of their numbers when they're on back-to-backs here. Uh, so I think they'll find a way to compete, which, you know, helps for those other stats, but still doesn't necessarily mean that that the Joker is going to have to score. I mean, Denver, their role players are just so elevated when they're home. So, sure. yeah, that, that's fine by me. All right, Josh, let's let's look at some narratives here. Not as much about the stats, but it's the Warriors plus six at the Clippers. Maybe it'll get a little higher because, I mean, this Warriors team has been bad. It has been very bad, especially on the road where they're one in six, but they have covered in five of their last seven yeah. roadies. Yeah. Draymond, as we know, is suspended indefinitely, maybe for the entire season. 
Like, we just don't know what the situation is. But for, you know, maybe that provides some clarity for these Warriors to say, all right, we're now a team without Draymond Green. His sideshow antics are a bit, you know, swept under the rug. Nobody believes in us now. They're talking, they're, every story is about this is the end of the, our dynasty. We have no no shot. Um, and you like to back teams in that situation where it's at least the first game coming out of that, especially against a rival, a Clippers team that's, they're playing their third game in four nights. Uh, and Paul George is questionable. Paul and, and Kawhi have yet to miss a game all season, uh, which is really strange. But as I keep mentioning, they played on the back-to-back. But if one of those guys is out, we'll see what happens if you thrust Harden and Westbrook on the floor together. That was an absolute disaster when they started to do that when they got Harden, right? Um, <clears throat> I mean, LAC, their home, their defense has been great lately. I don't know how much of that is who they're playing, teams that can't hit threes. Did give up 17 threes to Golden State and 19 to Portland in that weird blip to start this back-to-back stretch. They are, you know, they're they're 6-3 and three at home with Harden, but 3-6 and six against the spread. Most of those games going under. Definitely harder to cover a six-point spread if you're going under, playing slow. Uh, and they're, where are they weakest? I mean, it's at the point guard position. Giving up 31 to point guards, over four threes. Those are both among the worst in the league over the last seven. I mean, because they played Steph in two of those, but Steph is now coming to town. I feel like the back door is just always open when you have Steph Curry. It's like you might be down. He's just going to hit a couple threes late, and you're going to lose by less than six. Um, you know, his last seven road games without Draymond, he they're getting used to it now, right? He's been out almost half the season yeah. with these suspensions and injuries. Steph averaging 29 a game. He's actually shooting better from three. Um, you know, they, they, they've covered in the first two without him on the road against SAC and Denver. They did not against Phoenix. Phoenix, by the way, is the only road games they have not covered in the seven-game span. So, I mean, LAC, you have to hit unassisted threes against them, right? Their team defense is so sound that you kind of have to be a bit of a game-breaker like Steph to get off your threes, and, and he has recently. So I think there is a bit of a correlation here to, to add the spread with Steph to get 25 points, four threes. Like, there's there's almost no way the Warriors are in this game if not for a typically great performance from him. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the last thing is just that the Clippers do not have a particularly high free throw rate. And that seems to be the key in the, these losses for the, the dubs, giving up eight more free throws in losses than wins. So if you're not getting down there and, and pounding them, um, especially with Draymond out in that, that uh, interior defense weekend, I think they can stay in the game. I understand what you're saying, um, I, and I know that you turn to me often for any kind of thoughts on the Warriors and, and West Coast teams because you're like, yo, dude, you're up watching these games. Can you help me out? And I, I can't. I'm sorry. There's a lot of conflicting information. Now, I'll, I'll take the plus six, like you said. I'll take the the cover machines. And it's so funny because the dubs are, are cover machines either for themselves at the end of games or they're liable to get backdoored because they'll just do some dumb stuff at the end and turn it over the way that they've lost to the Kings this season and a couple other games because a lot of like you said they've been covering on the road and they've been covering in their last bunch of games they just keep losing by like less than a handful of points all of the time and it's got to be frustrating because it does seem like that their record could be like I don't know six games better in the other direction rather than like four or five games under 500 but the bottom line is, is like they don't have the the, the wiggle room anymore to, to actually win this game outright uh, that they used to have where they can turn the ball over and they can make messy plays at the end and not be as worried about it because someone will bail them out. Someone being Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. I, I just don't I don't know what to do with that in this one. And, and the other conflicting pieces. Yes, they've 
with James Harden on the floor, even if he's not always at the head of the defense because they're trying to hide him on the baseline in a sort of semi zone, like they're still giving up point. They're still giving up a ton of points to point guards because guys like Russ and James Harden aren't exactly like going all out on their particular positions. And even Russ, as hard as he's playing, his one-on-one defense isn't really what he's known for at this point. It's like coming off of guys and stealing and making blocks and getting into passing lanes. And it's just a big reason for why these point guards have scored so much. So you'd think Steph would do it. There's some conflicting info about if he's going to be able to do it without Draymond or not. In the last bunch of games, he's been all right without Draymond. This season specifically, he has not been as good without Draymond as he is with him. It's just a little bit of a, of a give and take there that makes me go, I'm a little 50-50 on it. So I left. I let Nate take that bet. Uh, let me finish it out here with an under that I hit last night at 231.5 and, and is down to 226.5. I still kind of like it. Um, and I would even consider a tease to get it back to the 230 and a half with Portland um, to basically win this game in a pick because they're minus three and a half right now. And, and I do like Portland to win this one. Um, I, I really do. I don't know who's going to be playing for Utah. So just getting into some of it real quick, Utah's on the second night of a back to back. Last night, Larry Markinen was on a minutes restriction of max 25. Uh, Walker Kessler was questionable up until the game and then played. He's been nursing injuries. So who knows if he'll play tonight? John Collins was ruled out last night. He might not play tonight. Jordan Clarkson is out for a couple more weeks with an injury. I don't know who's going to score the ball for Utah. Maybe Keontae George, I guess, with some Kelly Olynyk sprinkled in. Nah, he's I, out it's, too. It, he's out too. It's 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 Sexton time. Sorry, Collins Sexton time. I guess who has the best on-off defensive rating for the the Jazz right now without having nearly as many minutes as others? Like uh, you know, Collins Sexton's defense is what he's known for, and it's certainly not his shooting. So. Like that definitely helps the undercase a ton, man. I can't believe how many dudes they're missing. Uh, in, in the four that they played on a back to back, they average 103 points. They've had Markinen in three of those, by the way. It's not like he just sits on the back to backs. Um, they are they have that 105 rating playing at a 98 pace, which was also skewed by an 105 pace. They played at Orlando when Orlando was like, all right, let's do this. Y'all are on a back-to-back. We're going to sm- just run you right out of this gym, uh, which they're playing way faster at home right now, which is crazy. But um, like I said, super injured. I, I really want to know if Kessler's playing. I, I kind of want him to play to keep the defense like somewhat honest for this Utah team. But no matter what, I just don't think they're going to be able to score, man. Uh, that That road offense, we keep attacking it. 105 points per game on the road versus the 118. Like the 105 looks awful, but it just looks so much worse when you consider that they're capable of scoring 118. They just need to play, I guess, above wherever is it above sea level. I think it's above sea level. Um, so that's that's a big problem for Utah there. Portland at home, big problem uh, on on offense. 103 points per game. They've missed Malcolm Brogdon in a lot of those games, which is huge for them to win because he was questionable uh, coming into this morning as well. Missed their last game earlier this week uh, as well. So uh, against the Clippers, which was a very high scoring affair. Uh, I just this in this one, it's going to be a lot of three point defense for um, for Portland and without their their big guys down low. Utah is not going to be able to score like they score off a of second chance points. They score by attacking the rim. Um, and then occasionally getting some some shots from, you know, from Jordan Clarkson. And when Lowry's been in there, they try to go through him. But it's just it, it, with the way that Portland's able to defend the three, I'm not really sure what these backups who are coming in who rely on three-pointers are really going to be doing. There's nobody that you trust driving to the rim. Although Akbaji's been a little bit better, and he'll definitely be a high-usage player in this one. I love him. I love saying the name Akbaji. I just I, I can't really put it, put it on him to like take over this game against this Portland defense. So uh, let's see what happens. Malcolm Brogdon plays. They are three points better per game. Are the the Blazers? They go from scoring 104 a game to 107. So like that's uh, better. Uh, but I still don't think it's enough to get them over 226 and a half in this one. 
Yeah, just to address your geography first, I mean, every arena is above sea level, except maybe New Orleans in, oh, thank in, you. in, in the U.S. But uh, yeah, Salt Lake City is at 4,200 feet, which is, you know, a thousand lower than Denver, which is still a bit of, a, of an impact from climate. And maybe that is why Utah is a little bit better at home, getting people tired mm-hmm. as they visit. Uh, but that's a digression here. As, yeah, this as is you more... can be, I mean, I know you digress, but I just want to say this, this proves that Nate paid attention in earth science and I did not. So please continue. <laughs> yeah, it, it really depends on, yeah, who's going to play here. If Brogdon does not play, Portland is not an NBA offense. Even if he does play though, I, I still think they're a slower team because he's out there. We'll see what happens if Aiden comes back. He might, he has a chance to return again, no. kind of makes them slower. Um, and, and, you know, less, less fluky where we saw them drop all those points at LAC. Other than that, like Portland's games have been around 210 at the most. Uh, so yeah, I feel really good about an under where they're at home and able to dictate the pace, uh, especially if you don't have Markkinen or Clarkson, I would still, I would look at Sexton props, um, sure. if it's like 17 points or something. Cause yeah, him and THT, I guess are the only guys who are going to be able to get their own shot. Yep. Also want you to head to the lines.com. Use that prop finder tool that we have up there to make sure that you're getting the best juice available to you from all of these books that are giving us bets this season. A little 500 night last night on Wednesday, Nate. We look to uh, improve, obviously, without losing too much. You feel pretty good about it. And so we look to get uh, back into those plus units here, starting with SGA. Yeah, I know you got tilted when Jabari Smith grabbed four rebounds in the at, down the stretch Six. of a blowout. Six. Yep. Six rebounds down the stretch, so otherwise would have been three and one. And we did have a bonus lean in there for Fred Van Fleet to go under, which did hit by a mile. Um, but moving on here, I mean, I'm, I'm taking some big stars here tonight. And I think my favorite player in the NBA at this point is okay. just SGA. Um, and it's 32 and a half points, but this is the spot you're kind of waiting for. We, we faded him a couple times before this, but now at Sacramento in a game with a 245 total and climbing. And even if it goes way under, which I think we both kind of lean that way because OKC yeah. is great defensively. Um, I mean, he had 33 points in a gross 105-98 game with no De'Aaron Fox the last time these teams met. He's averaged 35 in his last four against Sacramento on 58% shooting and is just having the most ridiculous efficient stretch I've seen in, in a while here. I mean, what does he have? A 141 and a half offensive rating in his last five. On two days rest here, OKC off since Monday, and it was an easy win, right, over Utah where we faded him. <clears throat> and on two days rest, averaging 33.5 ga- points per game, seven assists as well, a 144 offensive rating, so even more efficient than he's been recently. I mean, the only guy – so I, I threw out the 32.5 points, and I'd say go half unit on that just to hedge against this minus 150 bet for SGA to be the top scorer in the game which I think is a good way to play this type of thing when there's just no competition. Like De'Aaron Fox is literally the only competition to outscore this man who is a walking 30 points. Maybe he gets 30-31 and not not over this prop, and you basically break even with, with your half unit on, on what's a really high scoring prop. But if he does get 33, he's probably going to lead the game. You, you cash both. Uh, look, Fox, he's averaged 23 a game his last four against OKC. He had 33 at OKC last season, but that was a different kind of defense here. I mean, especially with no Chet patrolling the back line. I mean, OKC now is number one on the road this season in terms of defensive rating and wherever they're playing, allowing the fifth fewest points to point guards in their last 15. 
Um, so, I mean, even in a, a potentially high-scoring game, I don't think Fox is going to outscore SGA, and I, I just trust him to get to get his 30-35 no matter what. Yeah, I get it. Um, the things that are a little bit nerve-wracking about it, and nothing should really make you nerve-wracking, ner- feel nerve-wrecked when you're betting on an SGA over. The only things would be, Sacramento's really gotten a lot better at isolation defense. If you want, if you want to do anything with that, um, they they do have the fifth best uh, defense against the isolation play according to points per possession. Doesn't happen that frequently against Sacramento, to be honest. They're not getting isoed very much, um, probably because teams are also trying to um, avoid getting into a foot race with them. So they do slow it down and play a bit more half court offense. But either way, um, yeah, I, I think he's he's a really good bet. The, the points are going to be high. It's definitely climbing and climbing and climbing. But I mean, shoot, yeah, like we said last time, we got an under, we got uh, 203 total points between these two teams and Shy had 33 of them. So yeah, he's, he's always going to be high usage. Josh Giddy's usage continues to drop. Uh, I, I, I agree with all of it. So um, I'm going to go into my rebounding bets, baby, and I'm going to stay in this game. And I didn't know how to break it down. Like I like, I, I was saying, you know, last night a little bit, it was at 239 and a half this open on the total. And so I was like, once it gets to 245, I'm going under which just means I do think that there's going to be a few more rebounds than might be expected. So Domas 12 plus boards and shy Gilgis Alexander, five plus boards. They're both in, in good spots in these matchups in terms of rebounding against these teams. So I'll get into it a little bit rebound chances galore, as you call me, Josh rebound chance uh, lander, but it's specifically for these two players. So the last game Domas did have 26 rebound chances. He, He gobbled up 13 of them. SGA had 17 rebound chances and gobbled up seven of them. And the reasons for each of these, Sack allows the second most rebounds per game to point guards. Makes sense when you think about the amount of three-pointers that Sack shoots and the amount of shots that they take overall, right? There's going to be more rebound chances because they're taking more shots. They took 47 threes last game. Shy's average rebounding distance from the basket was about eight feet. And that's going to be about the average. So like really getting into the nerdy nitty gritty of where the rebounds are landing, which by the way, Dennis Rodman didn't think it was too nerdy because that dude was literally studying where the ball bounces off a dude's shots. And for all these Kings players, that's a pretty good strategy is like, they're going to be long boards because there was 47 threes of which they made like 17 of them, which is very impressive. Um, But still it's like, that's 30 long misses. Uh, for you. And I don't know that they're going to shoot that well from three. Once again, this, this uh, thunder defense has been better on the road, like very, very good, which you brought up as well. So uh, I do think that he's going to be in the spot. He's just, he's standing where the rebounds come, man. So I'm going to go ahead and give shy five of them. It's plus money for over five. And I definitely chickened out because I wanted to just take a nice safe one and get a, a little bankroll builder. This is like minus minus one fifteen on DraftKings for this, this, this uh, same game parlay for the, the other side there. OKC, Love you. Chet Holmgren. You need to put on like 25 to 30 pounds before you'll even come close to being able to box out big Domas Sabonis, who's just a beast right now on on both sides of the ball in terms of offensive and defensive rebounding. The only dude crashing the offensive boards for Sacramento, by the way. Um, And so, yeah, the the OKC Thunder allowing the second most rebounds per games to centers. Um, They they are attempting a a ton of shots inside the paint, right? The complete opposite of shy. Sac attempts the fourth most shot, excuse me, OKC attempts the fourth most shots inside of five feet. That's where Domas is standing. However good or bad he is at defending the, the, the rim, he is a very, very, very good rebounder. Um, and like that's why his prop is up at 13 and a half boards and just scares me a little bit because he gets 12. Like That's almost a guarantee, and 13 feels really right as well. But once you start getting up to that 14 to 16 range, I get a little bit nervous um, just because you need a few things to bounce your way, pun very much intended. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the 12 for Domas and the 5 for, for SGA. And what, what odds does that get you when you put them together? Minus 115. 
Oh yeah. I mean, interesting that it's just plus money if you if you just take SGA. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't know if I need to mess with twelve plus, even though he is one of the leading rebounders in the league. But that's that's a high number. Um, so yeah, the, the, assist, the assist should be there for Domas as well. By the way, uh, I, I mean it's a little bit high as well. But if you if you want to throw in like seven assists or something like that for him, still getting pretty good juice. He, he, and he did have thirteen dimes with Fox out when these teams played last time. So. Yeah, uh, I'll take another center in his rebounds assist. You might have heard of him. He is the uh, two-time MVP, Nikola Jokic, coming off an ejection. The line is 22.5 rebounds and assists, and it's about minus 115 at MGM for the over. I just expect him to bring it tonight uh, with a little bit of that extra rest. I mean, against a Brooklyn team that's on a back-to-back and just gave up 22 rebounds, just rebounds last night to Yusuf Nurkic. Jokic is maybe the best uh, defensive rebounder in the in the league in terms of just finding a way to get hit control of the ball. He averaged 16 boards his last three against Brooklyn. He had 20 and, along with 35 points and 11 assists when they visited last March. Um, at home, you know, last season, 13.3 rebounds along with 9.5 assists. And the same thing this season. I mean, his only home game against an Eastern Conference team this year, he had 16-9. and nine in terms of rebounds, assists against Chicago. Uh, the Nets, I mean, they, they're on a back-to-back. That You could see their offense suffer a little bit. Their defense has certainly suffered on the road regardless. They have a 125 defensive rating in their last six roadies here. That's why I mentioned in best bets some, some of these jokish um, props along with the money line for Denver get to get you some some good SGP action there. But in general, they're giving up a lot of a lot more stats on the road, playing a little bit faster. 45 rebounds and 27 assists on the road, 27 assists in losses, 27 assists against Western Conference teams, and 56 assists in their last two games on this trip to Sac and Phoenix. So, I mean, we expect Jokic to kind of dominate this game, but not necessarily do it with scoring. Do it the way he does, right, with Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon and all the guys he has around him now uh, is to probably get double-digit assists and rebounds. So maybe you want to bet a triple-double. Yeah, why not? I mean, uh, he's going to get 10 points if he doesn't get kicked out in the second quarter. So why the hell not? Uh, yeah, I mean, what, what's the triple-double at? Probably, I mean, hopefully it's, it's only like up. plus 110 or something. Like it's At least normal. it's freaking plus money. It was like <laughs> minus 130 at one point. I was like, what are we doing? This is crazier than a Christian McCaffrey touchdown for minus 300 almost. Uh, but anyway, I, I, love, I love the rebounds and assists for Joker for sure. Like I spoke about, don't love the points for nearly as much for him, but uh, 10 should be a guarantee. So you want to throw a little bit on the trip dub, get in there. But I'll, uh, I'll throw, finish things up with another big white Eastern European and Zubac and a double-double for Ivica in this one against the dubs. And like, man, you talk about a team that's going to struggle against the center position without Day-Day. They're bad, man. Like Kevon Looney's it. And, and he, I don't know that he's going to be 34 or five minutes a game, right? So who's guarding these centers? Uh, I guess Zubac, uh, Looney will probably try to mirror Zubac's numbers. But if I'm the Clippers, I'm just pounding you down low. I, I'm just crushing you on offense, going to the basket with everything, every mismatch for Kawhi I can find. Um, every time Zubac wants the ball down there, which might also be a good opportunity for him to get assists, I would be going through him a lot more. Like, I understand you're not going to go through him necessarily, but the offensive rebounds are going to be there for a team that's already in the bottom 10 at defensive rebounding. Without Draymond in there, it's a big deal. So the 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 points, it's at 11 and a half. Uh, I think the second chance points are going to be there for him, which is a big reason why I like the double-double, because I do think the rebounds are going to be there for him. 
Um, without Draymond on the floor, this team has a 48% rebound percentage. Let that sink in. <laughs> because when he's on the floor, it's up to about 56, 57%. Like, you, 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 you can't just give up almost as many offensive rebounds as you gather defensive rebounds. That's, that's just not a recipe for success. It's a very good recipe for Zubac to come in. Um, in the minutes that he's played without, the games that he's played without Draymond on the floor for the uh, Warriors, there's only been one since he's come to the Clippers that he's played without Day-Day. And in that one, double-double, 18 points and 13 rebounds, um, which is also actually the exact stat line that he had in this last game where, where Dray Draymond was playing. But um, this this true shooting percentage, man, uh, it was a, a reason, you know, you, you really do want to look at the, as the doctor of rebounds and rebound chances, I can tell you, you do want to also look at, like, how many shots are the other team missing, right? So that was a big part of the, the Isaiah Stewart under, is like, this Philly team is going to score at will on this uh, Detroit team last night. And I, I do think there's going to be a lot of like easy buckets for the Clippers. Uh, and, and the fact that the dubs are not shooting well, it's just there's going to be more rebound chances for them because they're still 24th in the league in true shooting percentage. It's just the complete opposite of what we've seen from this team when they're winning championships and making it to finals or, or conference championships and the like. Um, so, yeah, with, with the bad shooting for them combined with zero people that I, I feel comfortable boxing out Ivica Zubac in this one, uh, I think that the double-double because of the over 10 boards is, is, is a really solid play. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty essential for them. I mean, until Mason Plumley comes back, right? I, I don't I don't think you want Daniel Tice out there very much dealing with, with the Warriors' motion and pick and rolls and all that. So you're going to have to have Zoo, who's, who's an underrated part of this team, uh, and why they're so good defensively uh, with his rebounding. Uh, give me some Pod, Podzimski props when those come up, though. I think it's time for the Warriors turn the page a little bit, you know, give the young guys some more run, maybe go smaller because Looney and Wiggins have been so bad uh, and just play this youngster. You know, let's see if he can follow up two good games in a row against a pretty solid defense. He's impressing me, man. Uh, I'm waiting on my Pajemski props and I'm waiting on my Moses Moody props, my Moses Pajemski props, essentially, because, yeah, I, both of them. It's time for Moses, man. Like he's proven it this year. Uh, Warriors fans have been clamoring for him uh, and he has the green light. Like he's no longer scared. He, he looks the most confident outside of the rook Pajemski and his little uh, red fro there. So shout them out and, and definitely see what their props are at. I think Moody's probably going to be less than 15, and I would feel good about that uh, in terms of the points right there. And rebounds, by the way, for Moody and, and Pajemski, uh, their fourth best offensive rebounder, Brandon Pajemski, standing at a stout six foot two or so. Like, that's being nice. So that is all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along. Check out the Best Bets video we have and subscribe to that page. Until we see you next, happy betting. Oh,